I'm Logan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Spencer. And this is Automatic for the People. It's automatic. It's automatic. It's automatic. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Automatic for the People. I'm Mr. Robot Podcast. Uh, usually Jess is here, but uh, Jess is... Uh, a bit behind, thanks to the holidays. So, uh, yeah, got... she's gonna think I hate her because I <laughs> haven't been on with Jess, but I'm on with Spencer. So, yeah. <laughs> Ryan's internet boyfriend, Spencer. <laughs> but we all know that Jess would be the better deal today. So, <laughs> not, not, not true. Um, you're not, you're not second place. Uh, you're Jess no Jess, but. <laughs> No, I mean that's how I feel. Like I, you don't have to placate me. Like I'm like I'm I'm honored to be here. I'm happy to be here, but I'm not a, I'm not a good enough replacement for her. But I'm glad to be here. <laughs> she would definitely be here also if she were caught up. She's a little behind. So well, if this and, goes well. I'd love to like maybe we can do one of these at, after the show's over, and I can join, and she can be on, and so Ryan can have all all his favorite people. <laughs> you don't have to come, Logan. <laughs> oh yeah, no, thanks. <laughs> Uh, we, we, I think we will absolutely do like a big giant. We're going to, I think I'm going to re figure out the logistics of a live thing and just do like a live final episode. Oh yeah. With like the chat, they can like do questions and stuff. Yeah. You guys used to do that a lot. Yeah. uh, It was a lot easier when I had a schedule. (laughs) It wasn't (laughs) a nightmare. I still don't understand your schedule, but it's okay. Uh, I mean, my boss doesn't either. So <laughs> I don't know how many texts or emails or whatever I get in the middle of the day. And I'm just like, yeah, I, I don't know why you thought I was going to respond to that. I was asleep. <laughs> um, so anyway, we're talking about, well, actually with Spencer here, we're talking about everything up to episode nine, like we're including episode nine. We're talking about the show, the season, everything. So spoilers, 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 spoilers. Uh, if you haven't watched the show, what the hell is wrong with you? Why are you listening to this? Um, and uh, so, yeah, since you haven't really got to talk about it with us outside of like our text exchanges, how are you feeling about the season, Spencer? So, um, can I, can I self-promote slightly? Yeah. For, okay. So I have a, I have a new website. I used to do film dispenser, which is where we kind of started a lot of stuff together with the three of us. Um, and I have a new website called supermassivepop.com and I've started a thread. I used to do this column or this annual thing where I did like my hundred greatest things in pop culture in the year at the end of every year. Um, but right now I've just started a Twitter thread. That's just going to be a long string of tweets of thoughts that I've had or things that I've learned or thought at the end of this pop culture year. And I just tweeted a few minutes ago that, um, and I, I, whenever I say a name, I've tagged you guys in the show, but I said, Mr. Robot is underserved, um, in terms of mass appreciation. I fully expect the show to be reevaluated when all is said and done. Sam Ismail is playing like a kid in a candy shop with his talents and Mr. Robot Podcast knew it first because I really truly feel like in this final season, this show has like has has evolved further as every season has to sort of uh, almost comment on every single criticism it's gotten over the years um, to prove 
the worth of every choice it's ever made from from the season one twist that kind of got the fight club right off by a lot of people because i feel like every season it's gotten written off by a group of people for some bigger reason season two is the jail plot line um and 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 i just feel like this season is saying not only was all of that um good it was necessary valuable and perfectly fitting the overall story that's being told. Um, so right now, like I, I'm, I'm maybe 15 minutes out from watching this week's episode. Um, so I'm really, really high on the show, but every week I watch an episode, I feel this way. And I feel like the show is really, really bringing it home, um, to prove the value of the whole piece. So I think that it's a, a, been a great final season. Um, I was nervous until this week about how they're going to wrap it up in the amount of time um, that they had left, but I'm, I'm in a very good place and very, very happy. Preach it brother. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's, <laughs> I, I appreciate the Mr. Robot podcast knew at first. I, it, when we say it or when I say it, it, Definitely, I feel like oh God, I feel like I'm patting myself on the back, but really, like day one, like you know, we were like, "This is brilliant! This, this is the best thing on TV!" Like, oh my God, this is incredible! And you know, some people, you're right, fell off with season two, but I mean, we were still there talking about how great it was. <laughs> I mean, there there are film critics that, or, or I'd say media critics, because nobody's anymore just a film critic because of the quality of television these days. Um, but there are people that we follow. Can you guys hear that ding? No. Okay, cool. My 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 new computer has Messenger on it and it's dinging, and I wanted to make sure you guys couldn't hear it. Um, so, but there are people that we mutually follow and respect who really, I mean, they they started jumping off at the the quote unquote fight club reveal which is kind of what it gets called that season one mr robot reveal um and 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 it just it's i get it i mean i get i get a knee-jerk reaction especially when you're having to cover so much and and it's unfortunate that that the the fandoms in a lot of ways get dictated by what can hold the media coverage's attention because there's so so much and if people have an excuse to jump off of a show, a movie, a series, a book, or whatever, if they can jump off of a subject because there's so much, they will. And I feel like every year they found excuses to walk away. But, man, I feel like we're going to be at the end of this show going, sitting back, going, we told y'all. We knew it. And and I, I really look forward to that because... You guys had, I mean, you guys were there at the beginning, but I think people are going to come back around and start listening to your podcast as they watch the show in its completion um, over the next few years. And that's going to be a really fun thing to finally be able to, like, talk to coworkers about the show. Because I have, I have zero coworkers who watch the show. And people watch, like, millions of things on television. They talk about all sorts of quality things. But, like, I have nobody I can talk to at work that watches Mr. Robot. And that's... That's so unfortunate, but I feel like this final season is going to prove the point of y'all should have been watching. I'm glad, and, and I think my task is going to be to not be smug. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be difficult. So, um, I, I have zero doubts about his ability to land this show in a extremely satisfying 
but probably uh, gut wrenching. Like I wish we were getting more kind of way. Um, he's he's brilliant. He might be the single best thing to happen to television, like creative force since uh, shit. I don't even know. Definitely I mean, in the last five years, for sure. You'd have to look into comedies um, to find a creative force like he's like what he's done. Uh, because comedies, I, I don't want to say easy to pull off. I mean, it's not. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think they get left alone more, Ryan. Like like what you're saying, like, like drama people like Benioff and Weiss for Game of Thrones, they get... HBO involved and merchandise involved and they have, you know, but comedy, the goal is always, it's more singular about a person. Like let's, even if they have a writing staff, it's let's make this person's point of view correct in on the show. So I think you're, I think you're right in terms of how SML is left alone to do his thing. Like a, like a Jeff Foxworthy show is always going to look like a Jeff Foxworthy show. It's always going to sound right. like it's always. And so I, th- I, I, that's, that's really a good comparison because comedy, you are trying to lift up one person's maybe stand up tone over the years. I think it's pretty accurate because these days, unless like Tarantino came into a TV show, like it, it's, it's very much an Abram, a JJ Abrams show. The pilot is a JJ Abrams production and the rest of it is more by committee. Um, so I think that's a, an incredibly accurate um, comparison to how SML's had his voice come through on the show. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. Like not even like comedians, like a uh, showrunner slash creator, like Bill Lawrence, uh, Spin City. Uh, yes, Scrubs, very much uh, like uh, that. Yeah, like when you watch one of his half-hour comedy shows, it's like, oh, like even like you can watch Spin City and then watch Scrubs and get the feeling that like, oh, this is this is the same creative guy behind this, like driving this show, um, or Cougar, Cougar Town and Scrubs specifically, like they're so kin to each other. Um, Can y'all think of any other, like, I, I, I'm going to say acting, I don't know, uh, Cube, I don't know, I don't know, Square, because there's four of them that come to mind, but can y'all think of another show that's as solid as um, as Elliot, Darlene, Mr. Robot, and White Rose? Like, at, at four pe- four corners of a show, you've got the hero, the villain, the, the, the sidekick, and the sort of the mystic guide, um, but I, I can't think of another show that has a cast that's this solid. No, it's it's hard to find outside of like a syndicated type show like um what like USA used to show a lot of shows like La Femme Nikita or they even had a Nikita um uh suits um there's that which, that hitman the the hitman in Miami yeah show. Um, yeah, it had a great cast. It was just, it was so formulaic. Outside of, in network television, no, you, it's, it's really hard to find. I mean, I, drama, I, watch, I, I would say for sure, because the drama cast these days tend to be large enough that you're only getting like 
three to four minutes with like every character. I mean, the cast they like Grey's Anatomy is like fifteen people at this and point. I, and I think that's what I mean is that we've got these four people who anchor this show so heavily. Because Game of Thrones, you know, not finale aside or whatever, but that that cast is great. But there's so many of them that that show's not anchored by the cast. That show's anch- was anchored by the plot. Um, those casts did great things, but it's the plot, the special effects, the writing till later on, and stuff like that. But it's <laughs> yeah, it, and that's where it where it failed is the. The writing and the and, plot. And I, and I feel like if Sam Esmail went off the reservation, we'd still be like, man, the writing has gone downhill, but these four are really, you know, killing it. And I, and I don't know of many shows that are that um, zeroed in on a few actors holding it so well, um, like with this, with this show. I think Justified may have been one. Um, yeah. A few years ago. Uh, th- that's well, I'm with Logan on the uh, Scrubs. I mean, there's four main characters in Scrubs yes, that, that shows, but I'll anchor that years. show. <laughs> yes, but they anchor that show. I mean, and to the point that when you took any single one of them out of it, it was trash. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you just didn't want to watch it. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that's in drama, I think. I mean, I, not not to I know I, I feel like I bring this up every time we podcast about a, a TV show, but take Lost for instance. Uh. I'm not I'm not, <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna bash Lost, um, but just like Game of Thrones, that show had so many characters that, like, even if there was an episode about a character you didn't really like or weren't into or whatever. Or scenes like you just had to wait because hey, like I like Jack, so you know, yeah, this episode Jack was in it for two minutes, but that just means the next episode he'll be in it a lot or whatever. You just have to wait. If you do not like these four people, you you can't watch this show. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think one of the I don't know. I, I think this conversation's a little bit all over the place, and I think it's my fault, but. One of the shows that I think is one of the best shows in television right now that people are really have been catching up with over the last year or so is The Expanse, which is about to premiere on Amazon Prime next oh, week. Oh, it's I believe. so good! It, it's yeah. a fantastic show, but that cast is one of those things where you love the characters, and as you watch like interviews, you start to love the people who play the characters. But they are not this level. I think the show is like is extremely good, but the cast like they're not the same level. So it's one of those things where the show, the the plot, the writing, um, the special effects, uh, the every, the whole thing is is fantastic. Like at a ten, and the cast, you know, they range from a five to an eight. You know, and and if if they had people, actors, performances like what's on mr robot um i really feel like that show would be like the next game of thrones um and and that's i love the show i'm not dogging it in any way i love the cast like they're they are my version of those characters now but it's missing this thing that mr robot has at every because they're because they're fire, firing on every single cylinder and i think the cast pushes it over and beyond on my eternal ranking of TV shows because they're all just so good. I, I Christian Slater is 
proving anybody that ever naysayed his abilities or like crapped on him for like the performance that was Robin Hood, uh, Prince of Thieves, not his fault. <laughs> he was cast in that movie. Um, you know, any of that stuff, like he's proving that like, no, I could always do this. Like you just have to give me the material. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and, and he's, he's a guy that's always been, um, a, around but this is it's so funny until until this show um aside from true romance which truthfully i didn't come at from a christian slater angle i think you guys have talked about on the show that's more of a quentin tarantino angle you come at that movie from and you like him and all that stuff but it's it's a big tarantino umbrellas over that whole that whole movie but for me ironically or funnily enough the broken arrow was like my christian slater touchstone <laughs> like oh, my whole life yeah, amen brother <laughs> and I, I still love that movie but but now i can when i say that hard that rain like, too i'm and, sorry no no that's fine but but it's it's one of those things that when i point to liking christian slater i can now like avoid the funny looks by pointing at mr robot because he's so freaking good in this show that it proves so much of his worth without any question and it's not like about oh i grew up watching this it's like no he's just that good yeah i mean uh, previously you would have to like mine some of the very like low budget things that that he fortunately got associated with um but but I think that makes him all the more greater. Like, like I said, Hard Rain. Uh, that's a movie most, even even the one Spencer just said. Uh, most people won't remember those movies, but we know he came across after, especially after watching Mister Robot. Yeah, we know how great he was in those movies. Uh, Hard Rain and what was the one you said, Spencer? Broken Arrow. Broken Arrow. Yeah. What John Travolta? I mean, he was. <laughs> That's when he like fully understood his gifts, and people knew how to use his gifts. And then he, you know, is what he is today. <laughs> um, but yeah, the yeah. Spider's just face off is face off is you know. <laughs> I, I love face off me too <laughs> um we're not talking about john travolta <laughs> or john woo but now john i want sam Esquire to make a five season long show with john travolta <laughs> i mean if in at this point if anybody could re re revitalize john travolta's career it might be sam Esquire. um but uh but yeah slater is given in this season specifically I, I feel like he's he's just showing off. And oh yeah, he's slated it. this season for sure. I mean, and especially considering how which we're, I know we're almost five years into this show, but there's a good in season two. There's a gigantic portion of that season that he's not even in, and for somebody like him not that he's a superstar but i mean he is a pretty well-known actor to trust and just be like okay well i 
I know that we're doing something special. So I'm I'm going to trust that that you know me being excluded is not you know it's in service of a story that I'm really really fascinated and appreciative of. Um like th- there's this story of um what's his name that played George on Seinfeld uh a very very early episode of that show he's not in. Um and he basically went to them and was like Hey, if, uh, I think it was him. Um, Hey, if, if, if I'm not like, if I'm not going to be in the show, then, you know, what's the point? Like, uh, I'm a character in the show. I need to be in every episode. And he kind of just drew a line in the sand. And I mean, I get it, but that's also very like, okay, well, you're not really trusting the writers. So, um, to see, have Christian Slater just like completely trust Sam Esma and be like, okay, well, I'm not in these six or seven, eight episodes, whatever it was. And yeah, there you go. The same with, uh, what's his name that plays Tyrell? I mean, there's a whole season he's not even in. (laughs) So only, and, and he, you know, gets wiped out pretty early on in this season. Um, but we still see him like we saw him in that Christmas video when uh, she was like putting him in the cab, you know, it, it's just, I love that nobody has gotten shitty about their lack of screen time in such a fantastic show. And I, I think it proves like your point about the actors, just what kind of talent you're dealing with. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, well, I mean, they're just recognizing the talent that they're dealing with. Yeah. Uh, like the writing uh, and the directing. Um, yeah. Um, it, it's bigger than them. And I think they realize that. So. So let, let's talk specifics about the show since we haven't really. Uh, the biggest question after the most recent episode um is Angela still alive? Me and Ryan already talked about this, so everybody knows our answer. So what say you, Spencer? So, yeah, full disclosure, I was in the middle of listening to this episode, this most recent podcast. Um, well, I was 15 minutes into it because I'd started right after I finished the episode. Um, so I don't know what your opinions are. So my thought was, is that what White Rose is promising is still a re some sort of time travel reboot of life um situation and that he will bring angela back by doing whatever this congo machine will do Uh, so i think it was a promise of bringing angela back not a literal if you'll give me five minutes i'll get her on the line so i don't think she's alive in their world but i think white rose thought she could bring angela back right that's my opinion that's kind of where I fall. I think I basically said, oh, yeah, I believe him. But that's what I believe. Like, he, I believe that he believes. You know, I, I I think it would be very interesting if all of this winds up being, like, White Rose's vision is turns out to actually be impossible. Um, that, that he was, she was never going to be able to accomplish any of that. And I, I said it on our last episode, but I, I was telling Ryan, like somewhere there was this interesting flipped, like 
side of the coin version of this show where we follow White Rose from a young man who falls in love and, you know, has to hide who he is and loses the love of his life and like goes on this journey and somehow begins to believe that she can change the past and rewrite everything only to get to the conclusion where none of that is actually possible. And it's just this tragic ending. Um, maybe that doesn't happen, but I think it would be really, really interesting. Do you know what I think the tragedy is? Can are we, are, am I allowed? Are we theorizing yeah. as well? Is that yeah, good? yeah, that's fine. So I want to know what y'all thought on this is my thought was at the end of this episode, um, that I think white Rose could have done it. And I think Elliot just stopped it from happening. And the tragedy is Elliot's going to die for what he's done. You're not going to want another season because there's no Elliot at the end of the season. That's my opinion. But um, and he could have done it. And Elliot dies knowing that it could have all been changed. <laughs> um, that was my hand clap for you <laughs> i appreciate that i'm, I'm yes, hosting you uh, you just can't see it because it's a podcast very much think that is what is going on um i think that white rose very much thought certain things were possible but because of what has happened those things are no longer possible yes so so just so in, in the last episode, since you haven't heard it yet, we basically had this like white rose equals Dr. Doom kind of theory. Like yeah. Doom is right, but Doom keeps going about it the wrong way. So and because Doom keeps going about it the wrong way, like the things that the positives that would actually come from what he's trying to do never come to fruition because hey you keep putting yourself in the position of being a bad guy um so the yeah i i really like that i really like that and elliot kind of having to die knowing that that, it's almost the donnie darko situation yeah yeah but without saving (laughs) yeah without saving everyone and is able to save uh, his girlfriend, his family, uh, everything. Uh, I, think that, I, think that, I think Elliot's going to die having saved the world, but not his people. Right, right. Yeah, and very I, and I think much. Yeah. That'll be the ultimate tragedy of this show is that he, he absolutely did the thing we were rooting for for these seasons. And in the end, what we what we really wanted was his, him to be okay, and he's not, and that's kind of life. And I think Esmel's not trying to give us any sort of happy ending. This has never been a show about, oh, it'll be okay. This has been a show about, oh, we're all effed. And at, like from those montages in this season about how we all just accept the user agreements with sign away like our children and stuff, like it's like we, we just keep doing this to ourselves. And even as heroes, like uh, in terms of like Elliot, if he were our hero in the show, um, even as heroes, we are dooming ourselves because we're not seeing the bigger picture of all time. Yep. Because I I think because when this show is done, right, Esmail's been preaching to us for four seasons about 
technology, user agreements. I mean, I'm on a free Skype program right now that I signed up for that is free. Why is it free? What are they getting from me, right? I don't read the agreements, but there's some reason this is free, that they're getting some value from me using this free service. SML's making me aware of that, but I still click sign up. I still give them my email. I still, they have access to my camera. My camera's not lit up right now, but what do they, what do they see? What do they hear? And, and he's preaching that to us. And when the show is done, that will still be happening. So I think whatever the end of the show is will reflect the idea that while you may get the point, this is still going on. And you're you're still complicit to just allow it because we're not making any changes. Like it's all about the convenience of it all. Like, oh, it's it's convenient for me. So whatever kind of data mining whatever they're getting from me i don't care because it's convenient for me um and i I mean that's how you get people like the the deus group which is very much a a modern version of the like the what was it for a while like the lizard people or whatever like Uh like like, but the deus group like you can look at that and go oh no that 100 percent exists I get no doubt in my mind that is a thing. Definitely exists. No, I, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, there's definitely, I mean, there's always going to be a top 1% of the 1%. I mean, when will that not exist? I mean, when, when we redistribute the wealth. <laughs> but even um, when you do that, there's still going to be. Yeah. The top 1% of the 1%. And because something is always going to uh, equivalent itself to wealth. If gold yeah. was invaluable or not valuable, something else will take its place. Can it be comic books? <laughs> <laughs> Logan will be king of us all. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> hey, you might me choke on myself. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, back to, back to the the show stuff. Um, I very much hope it's comic books. <laughs> <laughs> I I actually know the answer to this because I saw uh the trailer for next week. I couldn't resist. Um, Dom is still alive. Yes or no? I saw yes. trailer too. Uh, yeah. So, okay. Um, so Spencer knows the answer. <laughs> so and it's Ryan yes, is- right? Yeah. I, I mean, uh, spoilers if you didn't watch the trailer. Yes, Dom is still alive. That I mean, I very much fantastic. thought we would have saw her die. Yeah. And yeah. confirmed her death. The one thing about Esmail is he he doesn't seem to be very um, he's not like David Lynch or something where he's like oh we're gonna be vague and you're gonna have to assume and figure out stuff he may withhold and make you guess and wonder for a while but he answers questions so not seeing Dom like officially dead meant that Dom was alive because right. that's the type of storyteller he is so I never really had a doubt. Um, so if I had not watched the trailer, I still would have guessed that she's still alive because of the way he tells stories, which yeah. is not a problem at all. It's actually like it works for what he's doing, but it just kind of lets it's like Spielberg, you know, in the end, there's some version of a happy ending, even in Lincoln. 
<laughs> Lincoln, Warhorse, uh, oh, Warhorse. Schindler's, Schindler's List. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, the, the trailer for next week is phenomenal. And Dom is, if this show itself is, is maybe not unsung, but, it, you know, for the lack of a better word, unsung, and the acting is unsung, it, like the unsung character of this show is dumb and I, I just cannot get enough of how freaking fantastic she is the the death of janice will well, forever I mean, we... be one of my favorite moments definitely in this decade of television possibly of all time that was some like are we are we allowed to swear on this po- is this a swearing podcast or no jess has been swearing when she's on so sure go for it that's some john wick level shit and it was amazing <laughs> it was john wick uh have you seen anna not yet not yet it was anna level crap um i want to see this is what i want i want um oh my god i just lost her name. what's dom's real name uh why'd you have to ask me <laughs> i know I, yeah, I, I don't... if you hadn't asked me i would have told you grace gummer grace, grace gummer. gummer i want grace gummer and ruby rose in a buddy cop comedy oh my, oh my god, god. <laughs> just throwing it out there come on movie gods make it happen i, well, and I want it Ooh. Mr. Robot's done, and uh, if there's any justice in the world, Batwoman will probably be canceled um, <laughs> because it's awful. Um, not her fault. Uh, it's Writing's terrible. Ruby Rose, like if Ruby Rose comes back, I mean, she should be like, "Look, I'm not, I'm not doing this crap anymore." <laughs> really? Um, yeah. So, I, I'm, but Gina okay. Carano has to be like their lieutenant. Oh god! Oh, Let's write a buddy cop so comedy. Bad. It's all yeah. female cops, and it's, it's like this Twenty One Jump Street, except all females, and all like, the dudes are really, all the bad guys are really dumb dudes. That would be wonderful. <laughs> like Chris Hemsworth in Ghostbusters. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, uh, any, anyway, no, awesome. Great Scummer's like secret MVP of the show for me. For real. Every time she's on screen, I am captivated by what she's doing. And it's not just her character. It's not what Esmel's putting, like, the words he's putting in her mouth. It's, it's, it, she is a very, uh, just like her mom, a very distinct presence on screen. And Esmel's figured out a really exciting way to use her. But I really hope this, her agents, whoever, uses the work she's done on the show to springboard her into many more things because I think she's awesome on screen and I love watching her. Yeah. One of my, uh, I don't know what you would call it, but you know, like sins is watching law and order SVU. Sure. And, uh, mainly it's because of, uh, what's her name? The main character. Or probably is Olivia. Is it yeah, the, Mariska? Yeah, Mariska Haggerty. Yeah. And Grace Gummer very much reminds me of that kind of person that can take over a show. Because that's exactly what she did. I mean, when she walked in, I we've been saying it since her first 
appearance on the show, I think. Like, oh, can we just get a Dom detective series? Yes. Like a Dom as an FBI agent or whatever? Well, Haggerty did the same thing. When she came on the SVU, she just year by year took over that show. Well, I mean, I don't think Dom's taking over Mr. Robot, but I definitely. No, but she could do the same thing. Yeah, I would... she's she's like if so. I was kind of describing a square of these four main actors, and she's like, oh, if you were doing a statistics graphic, she'd be like the one outlier that's still important, you know? Well, I mean, like yeah. She... If you look at the breakdown, sorry, I interrupted you, but yeah, oh, Robbie Malik's in forty six episodes, Christian Slater's in forty five, uh, Carly Chaykin uh, was in forty one, uh, Wallstrom that plays Tyrell was in thirty six, Angela's in thirty three. Uh, Price is in thirty, and Grace Gummer is in twenty nine. How many is um is uh, White Rose? Twenty one. Twenty one. That's amazing to me. That's like half the show, and and I I don't think of this show without thinking of that performance. So oh, yeah, you, you I'm with you there. Here's what else is crazy to me. So in a very Star Wars kind of like uh. Like when we had the Clone Wars, you couldn't have certain characters interact because they don't actually see each other until Revenge of the Sith. Um, there's a scene where White Rose tells Elliot that you won't see me again. And they have not been in the same place at the same time since. But they and, saw each, but, but he saw him today. Yep. Or, uh, to, or this week, sorry, today for me, but this week. Well, they definitely talked on the phone. Right. And then, yeah, White Rose saw him, like, escaping from the... And that's actually their first, I might be wrong, their first one-on-one interaction that wasn't, like, somewhat mediated. Like, we had the, the thing with Leon at the end of uh, Season 3, uh, you know, but... Like, that was their first, like, one-on-one interaction, I think, since that conversation. Mm-hmm. They've just been kind of dancing around each other. Well, here's the thing. Did Mr. Robot call White Rose just so that White Rose could talk Elliot out of Mr. Robot? Like. I- no, I don't think so. I think that was all a ploy just to get that number. Yeah, I think it was uh, Mr. Robot did what he had to do to get the number, and then the side effect was pulling Elliot out. So I think it was unknown, and Esmel, sure, made that plan, but but no, I think it was unknown to Mr. Robot that that would occur. Um, and I think that... So, so talk to me about the, the roundtable at the beginning, um, are they? Is the fourth personality just Elliot? No, I'm su- I, I am actually genuinely confused about what's going on with the fourth personality thing. I'm with you there. Uh, I don't think it's Elliot, but I think it could be a version of Elliot. The Elliot that could have been, maybe. Like what? Like what? That Logan, do you, you said that very definitively? Do you have an idea about this? I, I think it's a very, 
I think is it like the beast from glass? Yeah, I think it's something like that. Um, so that Christian Slater says, uh, to the little, the kid version of Elliot that, uh, or to the group, really, like, I'm going to tell him what he did. Like that, that's the, the catalyst or whatever. So there has to be like the way he says that is so, uh, not sinister, but it like it has such a weight to it that I feel like there has to be this dark version of Elliot. Not Did that Elliot kill his dark. dad? I mean, maybe. So, so maybe this fourth personality, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, killed the killed Elliot's dad potentially to protect Elliot. Right. <laughs> well, we also know that there's something that happened before, which is why Elliot is seeing the psychiatrist. So, do do we know? Um, so, okay, the mom personality. I, I've got. I'm gonna circle back all the way around. But the mom personality. Do we know anything she's done, like actively for Elliot? No, kind of just been this shadow that okay. that shows up uh we talked about it like we saw her when he was in prison Mm -hmm. uh he's seen her like at at a bus stop um they haven't really interacted that Mm -hmm. we've seen not that they haven't but we haven't seen them interact um the kid has been like a uh uh like an arrow for him you know kind of pointing where to go and then mr robot has kind of been a Almost a sadistic Jiminy Cricket, I guess. Yeah, yeah. a dad-like character. Yeah, like like sort of like a, a an idealized in, in this dark. If so, through the filter of Elliot's life, the idealized version of what his dad would have been. Right. Um. So, so I mean, I'm, I'm sort of hesitant to talk about this stuff without saying this, but to anyone that's listening, but I'm going to talk about like the Elliot molestation stuff. So if you don't want that, skip ahead a little bit. But, um, I mean, I feel like if you, if you read about child abuse and, and the kind of the, what this looks like in real life, it's not like a gender thing. So it's not like that his dad's just about Elliot. Like it's not statistically guaranteed. That's what the deal was. And, and so to me, it's like, what happened to Darlene? We're like not addressing Darlene and their dad. And and I wonder if there is a version that came out to protect Darlene because because we talk about they talked about in the Revelation episode he hid Elliot hid Darlene, um, and and I wonder if something didn't happen where that was the point of no return for Elliot's psyche, and 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 because I don't am I missing an element there because I feel like we're just not no I I've wondered the exact same thing like well I think that that's the personality that's the personality we haven't met the the protector like the beast from or the beast or whatever they call it from glass like that's a that's a an accurate like what i'm thinking but not to the evil not 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 supernaturally evil version of yeah right just more in the like very take charge very brutal when he has to be or the, the mom who can lift the car off the baby as right. the baby's getting hurt like right. that like you hear about those stories version. yeah that version of elliot that will go and do whatever he has to to protect 
himself and the people that he loves. And we've not seen any version of Elliot that remotely looks like that. Like even Mr. Robot slash Elliot is just kind of a calculating, like planning type of presence, not a very, uh, like he likes to set up plans and then act not like, Oh no, I'm going to jump into the middle of this and act. Yes. So that makes sense. I'm, I'm, I'm a little, if I had one at this point, it used to be before this week, my nervousness would have been, how do they have time to end the show? And I feel like now I have an idea of how they have time to end the show. Um, but now my, my nervousness is the emotional effect of going into that. Um, because I think what's happened in the show more than any other season for me as a viewer, which I think I may be isolated in this. I may not be like the majority, but I have become emotionally engaged with the characters on a way I've not been before. Um, I wrote a whole piece on my website about the, the episode seven and the revelation and what that sort of meant for the ending of the show. But for me, oh, it, that was, it was really piece. good. Everybody should go read it. And, and I appreciate that, but it's like it, that really that really messed with me internally in that whole episode. And as I think it was meant to do because it messed like it messed with Elliot and, and experience. It was so well done that you experience some sliver of what Elliot's going through. And it's, it was very powerful. And so I'm very nervous about what more we very realistically not in some subversion of expectations not some rug out from underneath you twist but very realistically have coming to us because darlene's life has so far been unexplored but darlene is loyal to elliot to a fault and i think there is a reason for that beyond it's his sister because y'all have siblings I have a, a, I'm part of a bigger family now. Siblings, you can, there's a, the way bonds work are very special. You're not guaranteed to be best friends with your sibling forever. You're not guaranteed to put up with your sibling to want to support your sibling through their BS forever. And, but those siblings you go through stuff with, no matter what, you're with them forever. And I'm afraid of finding out a reason for their bond because I feel like that's going to hurt really bad. I think that's going to be the last. I think Esmel's going to devastate us two more times with with something to do with Darlene and then the end of the show. I I could see that. I, I have this. Uh, I'm hesitant to say it because you can find out they're twins. um uh i'm hesitant to say this because like if it comes true like i'm gonna feel like i spoiled it for people but i have this idea like how i want darlene's story to to, or for our trip with darlene to end um I, i think you're right i do think elliot dies and maybe darlene and dom try to you know have a relationship happy ending for them please um but i very much would love to see the show end like the very last scene of the show is darlene sitting in krista's waiting room and krista calling her in and she goes in and sits down and starts to unwrap the bullshit that has been her life because like uh you want like the uh true romance ending i mean yeah kind of but like spencer said like her story 
for us and for her, her story is secondary. Like she does not like she, her story is well. That's all what about true Elliot's true romance. The whole movie was, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Alabama. She's secondary through the whole movie, but at the end of the movie, it's her ending. Yeah. It's no one else's ending. It's her ending. And I and I think that's that's fair to the character because like she's made her whole life Elliot's life. Like in a way she's also protected him just by being like always there for him. I, we know that there was a time that they were apart, but I also get the feeling that that time involved Elliot maybe not being able to see anybody. You know, and Darlene right. came back around when she could come back around, you know, so it it would just it would be a nice button for that character to be able to walk into a situation and go, I'm going to talk about what happened to me. Yeah, because. Yeah, that's very much Alabama. <laughs> yeah, um, because if you watch. If you if you watch True Romance and and watch all the way to the end, not the director's or alternate cut where, but if you watch the original movie, and then you go back and rewatch it as Alabama's story, it's a totally different story. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean this this show and, and honestly, uh, just to to be. We were not really high on Darlene early on in this show. Like, no, uh, ever. There were, there were like, a lot of times where we were like, well, like, Darlene keeps causing all these problems. And, like, it, now it, it's very much a different because you don't know the whole story. This show yeah, is a masterpiece. Go back and rewatch like, it as things, Darlene's story. Right. Yeah. And the things you think are, are, our truth are not necessarily truth. There's somebody else's version of the truth. And I mean, this show just keeps proving that. And it's freaking amazing. <laughs> and you also realize that Darlene knows when, because this episode, especially oh, it definitively proves it. She knows when she, she knows when Mr. Robot is in charge and when Elliot is in charge. Might take her a second, but she knows. So, yeah, she knows who she's talking to. So, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I can't, these last four episodes are going to be, uh, it's going to be like having my soul ripped out, man. So four episodes, does that put us into 2020 or is it 2019 it finishes? It finishes, uh, at the, the end of the month. Uh, I believe, okay. hold on, I'll, I'll check the dates. Okay. Um. Uh, episodes. I mean, we'll have forty six episodes of this show. December second <laughs> is the Spencer, last. Do you do you agree with the whole like Darlene, uh, Alabama comparison? No, I think like, so. I think I think Darlene is our through line. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah. Simple answer: yes. I think I could talk about it a bunch, but it's just repeating what you guys just said. So no, um, I agree completely. I, I've I've really 
I've never, I don't know that I've ever disliked Darlene, but I think that what I've done is not given her the credit she was due as a character. So, so as she's on screen, I'm like, where's Elliot? What's going on with this? What's going on with that? You know? And so, don't you feel the same way about Alabama though? Absolutely. Like, I, yeah, I've not, don't really give it, her much credit. It's easier and you're like, now. This is ha- kind of all your fault, but at the same time. No, no. Having seen that movie now like 50 times, um, yes, absolutely. And I feel like um, I I think you're right on target with Darlene. Um, And I think that the biggest thing that we've probably all done as a as a viewership, except for the people who there's I've learned in the last year or so following Star Wars fandom in a different way that. I know there's people out there who've loved her from the start. There have to be, right? But I think of a, a, a wide swath, the majority, um, have have maybe not paid enough attention. And I'm part of that. And now this final season, I'm like, she's like the key to all of this. Because without her, they, she may not be, you know, figuring out the plan or, you know, creating the plan. But without her, nothing happens. I Elliot's mean, gone. Every, it's yeah. just nothing you know, um, and Mr. Robot says that, like blatantly says that, like Darlene is the key in this yep. last episode. So yep. you're a hundred percent right. And I, I mean, she's, she's, I definitely didn't give her enough credit early on. Can um, we just give out the Emmy awards this year, next year? Can we just be the ones who select them? Because I'd like to give them <laughs> to Elliot for Best Actor, to Darlene for Best Actress, to Grace Gummer for Best Supporting, to uh, Christian Slater for Best Supporting, and then a special commendation to to um, to uh, White Rose. Who's what's the name? B.D. Wong. B.D. Wong <laughs> for, for a special oh, one time. I need like a, a a television achievement award, like at the end of the season when we're all like. Crap, we should have given Walton Goggins you know, Emmys every year for, for Justified. Oh, and you're not even watching The Unicorn. Like, Walton Goggins is on a whole other level with that show. It's like, oh, wait, he can be, like, charming in a way that isn't like, this is kind of creepy. Like, he's genuinely just seems like nice, pleasant, charming. I'm usually anti-CBS comedies, but The Unicorn is... Fabulous! <laughs> I've got to check it out because I love him. We love him. My my house is a Walton Goggins house um, for sure. I think my wife has a crush on him. She wouldn't admit it. I had to trick her for years into figuring out she had a Keanu crush. So I, like, I think she loves Walton Goggins, but would never tell me. I mean, um, it's, it's impossible not to love. I mean, he plays a like the most racist, bigoted, hillbilly, like just such a piece of. <laughs> Give me some meth. <laughs> Yeah. My one, my one Walton Goggins story is I saw, I saw him in person one time, um, from a distance. But there was like a crowd in front of me, but I could see his hair kind of sticking up above <laughs> the people, and I was like, "He's here! Oh my god!" <laughs> he, he is such a great actor. Um, but, but yeah, uh, where are we going? Oh, BD Wong. Um, talking about BD Wong. Uh, just, I, I think there's like, if if we could give the awards out, there's like a, a. Yeah. Instead of a lifetime achievement award, it is a a television series achievement award. Give it to BD Wong for being like the 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 ace up SML sleeve because I'm I did not see the the, the level of 
um, appreciation and and quality that would come from this character over the seasons and and the end of this episode where where she's there putting her makeup on you can hear the fbi raiding her house the the cut to credits it's like i felt so i felt sad i felt sort of exhilarated because it's exciting what's happening what's going it's a very intense sort of adrenaline pumping moment but so i'm exhilarated but i'm I'm all wrapped up but that is only because uh, bd wong for these seasons have brought brought so much to the role i'm just so impressed by everything about that character and written on the page the one wrong acting move trivializes that entire character and there's Absolutely. not been a single wrong move the whole time and, and who initially knew the guy from Jurassic Park? Yes. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> that that's a, like it's like okay, so this is the dude from Jurassic Park who's in it for like five minutes and like well, yeah, he's actually fun. guys and he then, he was oh, in oh, Law oh, and Order a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let me finish. Okay, my bad. <laughs> no, you already said it. So I'm say and the guy that just pops in randomly in Law and Order to be like, here's a bunch of exposition can deliver. Like, wait, wait, wait. What's it? What, he's on law, which like SVU or like what law and order? I think uh, all of them. Both. Really? Uh, SVU and the one before SVU. What's he doing law and order? I don't watch law and order. I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> he was a psychiatrist. Yeah. Oh, He'll so show he like, up. explains the people's maladies that made yeah. them do the murder. Yeah. It's, it's purely <laughs> exposition. He like, is the character at the end of Psycho. Yeah. His name could just be Agent Exposition. <laughs> he was in 230 episodes of SVU. Oh, my God. Yep. That's- he would just show up and be like, here's what they're going through, explain it, and then leave the room. <laughs> I just, I, I really hope that, because here's the thing, in this, in the business of a film and television, people know when these performances exist out there. And I hope the the right people are watching or paying attention because I would love to see BD Wong at the center. I, I'm a movie guy before I'm a television guy. And well, I would he has to- his own show on uh it's it's That's one of those, I don't care like about reality. I don't care. I want I want Oscar campaign for BD Wong. I want to open my issue of Vanity Fair and see a page that says for your consideration. Oh, I'm with you. <laughs> and like, I, I want someone to to figure that out and and put him in the right role. Um, because, my God, what a role that could have been thankless, could have been done poorly. It, it, it's it's a it's a hard thing to do. I think I think there's going to be future generations that look back and go, yeah, it's you know we got it. But for our generation, where we at where we're at in the time of uh, of challenging openness to have a, a character like white rose is very easy to turn into an adam sandler parody versus what it really was and 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 i'm so impressed that they have and i and i really hope that this helps him do something that's beyond just doctor exposition which now i'm honestly curious about and want to go watch svu <laughs> i mean he still um, showed up like he, he was in father was... of the bride part one and two as martin shorts like gay companion or yeah yeah was yeah i remember that so 
Um, yeah, he's he's turned out to be like Christian Slater. You knew that that was in him. He just couldn't seem to break away from being like Jack Nicholson light. But straight up, who the hell knew that B.D. Wong was like just. Oh, he, he's been doing this and Gotham like. Yeah, side but Gotham is him hamming it up, man. Like that that's like the Jurassic Park stuff. It's just him having fun, which is fine. Like he he's fine as Hugo Strange, but uh He was yeah. even in an episode of Flash. Yeah, he's so. the voice of Godspeed. Yeah, Godspeed. Yeah, yeah I know that. Me? Well, no, Ryan, you don't watch the Flash. So I watched the first three seasons, thank you very much. <laughs> And then I saw like I'm done. This What's is what I garbage. do with all of those CW shows is I get like two and a half to three seasons in, and I'm like, oh, I forgot it existed. <laughs> Just uh, magic. Oh yeah, that's about what happens. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on the BD Wong stuff, but like similarly, I'm I'm so happy for Rami Malek. Like truly, truly happy. Like. It, you 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 got your freaking Oscar dude like you were in a movie that everybody seemed to love. I still haven't seen it. He's um, the new Bond villain. How much you're, happier yeah, you're can you be? be a Bond villain. <laughs> but and and Christian Slater, I'm sure is gonna like just continue to impress. But like I'm, one thing I'm worried is that like we don't see Martin Wallstrom or Carly Chaikin or. Michael Christopher or Portia Doubleday or God forbid Grace Gummer doing anything else like truly, truly significant. Um I think they'll chase Martin Malmstrom and Michael Christopher deserve whatever they can get. Which one's uh, Christopher? Which one's uh, one? Price. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, Price is amazing. Really, really uh, early on I'd had him kind of in a a box of what a villain is yep. and it's just kind of simple and he is he's been so much more than that over the oh, seasons i'm very oh impressed. he deserves a star wars role more than anybody i've ever oh man i want <laughs> to see that i mean we we talked about it like at one point we we're like price is like the christopher lee of this like he's he's we thought he was just doing uh dooku and then like all of a sudden it's like oh no this is like way more elaborate than just like kind of a uh standard villain which actually dooku wound up being but it took the clone wars to really kind of flesh that out um but but yeah like i'm not gonna say this dude was picked out of, of from like obscurity but seriously what the hell has he ever been in like he's in he was in die hard with a vengeance like no really uh mostly what a composer right uh yeah i guess he's he's done he's kind of a renaissance guy so um he directed well he was a director he directed uh original sin and gia no way yeah yeah and, and this movie, body... movie for me born in 1987 <laughs> and this movie uh body shots i don't know if you've ever heard of it um, no yeah um i'm all for body shots well, I mean, he like th- those three movies are very uh, they have common elements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
they're oh. they're slight they're they're erotically tinged and that's a that's very, an accurate very, very description that i'm not making a joke on um but yeah uh uh actor and uh i mean director and writer as well um he he wrote uh uh what's the name of the freaking the one with the uh tom hanks and melanie griffith and, and like everybody thinks it's a garbage movie but i always kind of liked it uh bruce willis and bonfire oh, bon- bonfire yeah. divinities uh yeah. and, and witches of eastwick so huh. but he's he was accomplished before but like as an actor like he he's barely done any freaking thing like nothing truly substantial and like He's he's like a theater guy, which is great, but holy shit. <laughs> like he should be the next Bond villain or anything. Like he's so freaking good. Um but I mean everybody on the show is I hope that we continue to see all of them doing things because like it's just not it's honestly not fair that he put together a cast as brilliant as this I mean Gloria Rubin As uh, Krista Like she's been in a ton of stuff But holy shit She is just a Flat out just amazing In this I mean she's great in Cloak and Dagger But she's phenomenal She's so good in this Oh and- I, I mean you know I agree Uh I've loved her since uh, the early days of ER. I think she was in ER. We just you talked know. about ER. We might be watching. Re, excuse me. We might be. Me and my wife might be rewatching ER because she's never seen even a minute of it. Neither uh, have I. People. And that's some. This is coming from somebody who freaking loves somebody that was on that show for what, like ten years or something. <laughs> George Clooney, you're a big George Clooney fan? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those bat nipples really get you going. Yep, they do. So, they do. Michael Christopher was in Die Hard with the Vengeance. Yeah, that's FYI. what I yeah. yeah, that's what he said that earlier. And so I've seen Die Hard with the Vengeance like a billion times, but they were the last time I saw it, like the billionth time, was probably 15 years ago. And so I I'm now really want to rewatch Die Hard with a Vengeance. It is my second favorite Die Hard movie. In my heart, I love it, and it is also my second favorite Die Hard movie. Well, when um, all the other ones are garbage, it's easy for it to be <laughs> a second favorite. Well, you know, you could just let us have this, Logan. Yeah, you could. <laughs> but I, now I, I have to rewatch it to, to see him in the in the movie because I don't remember him at all. It's been too long. Yeah. But obviously, all these folks, if you put all this stuff together, they all are New York actor people. And SVU, I mean, that film's in New York City, and so they're and outside, and like the, they have like studio stuff outside of New York and New Jersey and Oh, stuff. yeah, I'm never surprised when I, I see a character show up in a TV show, and I'm like, I recognize that guy. And then I go on IMDb, and I look him up, and I'm like... Oh, he was in Law and Order. Oh, that, that's why I recognize him. <laughs> so it feels like Esmel's hooked into the New York scene in a, in a really good way, and that's how he's kind of said. Like, Esmel has a as a as an eye for 
these guys have been doing consistent work for a long time. Let's do something fun with them. And and I think Esmail is one of those people. I, I have gotten dragged in the past for calling um, movies fun sort of flippantly and not not like intentionally just like oh yeah it was, it was i got a great time it was really fun uh, to see this movie but it ends up being like about a massacre or about something terribly sad but the point is it's like no they're, they're great performances and it's a really good movie and i enjoy it's fun for me to find a good movie even if it's you know desperately sad and so i feel like esmel has this idea of like let's find something fun for them to do except his version of fun is the challenges he puts his characters through in mr robot and and so i like i like esmel keep doing what you're doing and please don't leave new york <laughs> yeah I, I i hope that his next project is a film because like i he needs to take uh a, not not a bigger step that's the wrong way to phrase it but just a bigger stage he needs a bigger stage i think that um I, it's funny i saw i thought about you guys there was there's this whole contingent of twitter they call film twitter which is usually made up of film critics but there's like this fan version which would be kind of like at our level of film twitter that's pretty prevalent and they will tweet out hey film twitter here's a question and so recently i saw like this it was the question of hey film twitter what are two movies that speak to your life personally like that when you watch them you think this is a movie either thematically or emotionally something about your life and i thought about you guys because i saw a lot of people put comet in one of their two movie spots. Um, and so I feel like Comet is a movie that's rising in esteem. And with this show coming to a conclusion, people are going to be evaluating the show as a whole. I, I feel like Esmail's primed for film fans to like scoop him up and lift him up if, if he can get that right next project. So I, I hope so too. And I think the fans are ready because I'm I, three years ago, it would have been you guys saying see Comet and nobody else. Yeah, <laughs> it was. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, mean, I watched it strictly because you guys were very watching. Very true. And um, it's a great film. And But that's all you two talking about it made me watch the movie. It, it, it's brilliant. And like it definitely like that. that's one of the things that still has me convinced that like we're getting time travel alternate universe something like that because the dude obviously has a predilection obsession whatever with that kind of thinking like you know how one decision can just alter not just your life but the the entire course of history you know and so yeah, I still <laughs> it's a Donnie Darko type of thing. Yeah. Um uh as my, I agree with Logan a hundred percent. Uh I I tend to teeter on the link letter side of Esmail. Like he creates movies that like other people just don't do, you know. And uh, Linkletter was, to me, ahead of way ahead of his time, uh, much like Tarantino. Um, but 
after I saw Dazed and Confused, and then I saw what before what was it after midnight? What before what sunrise? Before sunrise was the first one. Yeah, uh, and after I saw that, I uh, saw um, School of Rock, and I'm like, this dude is all over the place. Um, that's very much S metal to me. Well, it he's. I mean, he's not done much. <laughs> but I, I I see what Ryan's saying though. Like he sees no, the, but the potential's be there all because over the place. Yeah. Like his next movie will be a courtroom drama and it'll be like one of the best courtroom dramas we've ever seen. Yeah. Or Adam Sandler movie that no premieres on Netflix. <laughs> no. And... <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing you, devil. <laughs> I'm hearing this new one is uh, maybe pretty good. Well, that's different. Uh, He's talking about a Netflix Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I would just you know trying. Trying no, to, God, no. You know. no, no Netflix crap. So no, I doubt Esmail will ever hook up with Sandler. I but. want Esmail truly to do his 2001, his Ad Astra, his 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 weird. Let's just get in that galaxy and do some weird space stuff. I want him to like fully exercise it from his system, and then come back down to Earth for the rest of his career. That's what I want him to do. Yeah, it'd be great. Um, I think I think he's got it. I think he. Oh, like, some Battlestar Galactica stuff would be great. Well, uh, isn't he doing Battlestar Galactica? Isn't that the whole thing with the with the reboot? I mean, I read yeah. something about it, but I mean, I just don't know how much faith that I have in that. But it's in there, the works. Yeah, there's. Well, uh, I think Metropolis is probably the. Uh, before all of that, is that the uh, something to do with the silent film or the anime? The silent film. Like okay. he's been wanting to do an updated version of Metropolis for like since season one of Mr. Robot. He's been talking about it. So, um, yeah, just do your own thing. Go to space. Take Rami Malik to space with this I, whole cast. I <laughs> would honestly, like, I get the the like ooh. Let's tap this guy to help usher in this or this or that or that. But I mean, I, I'm I'm okay if he only ever does his own thing. Like I, I like the Last Jedi a lot. I do have some issues, but I love Ryan Johnson. And like I understand if sometimes you have to do those movies to like allow yourself to do the other things. I'm I would perfectly be. I'd be perfectly content if Ryan Johnson only ever did his own things for the rest of his career. Like, I hope that that's, that's possible. If his star Wars films don't come to be, then that's fine. Like it's not fine. (laughs) I want them to exist, but I also just want him to be able to do his stuff, not his version of somebody else's stuff. After we watch Knives Out tomorrow, you'll realize that what you want is him to do alternating years. One Star Wars, <laughs> one of these. One Star Wars, one of these. And we just want a Benoit Blanc mystery every other year. That's what we want. Um, and it's weird because I don't feel that way about other like creators. Like Noah Hawley, who is very, very, uh, extremely good. Like... I would put him right up there with Sam Esmail, and I haven't even seen Fargo, but Hawley does seem to be able to step into other people's material and elevate it to the point that it's just like, 
oh my God. So when you say like Noah Hawley's going to be doing Star Trek, I'm like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> oh my God, yes. You know, except his movie, nobody really saw it and the people who did didn't like it. And so maybe he should only do TV. <laughs> Just devil's advocate. Did you see it? No, I haven't. I'm going to because it didn't come here because nobody saw it. So they didn't expand it. Further. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to see it. No, I'm totally going to see it. Natalie Portman. Come on. I see everything she's in. Yeah. And I, I, I think it. I'm, I'm probably going to go into it predisposed to be like, no, I really liked it because it's Noah Hawley. I think but, I've already decided that no matter what, I'm going to love the visuals because it's Noah Hawley. Because he knows how to visually tell a story unlike most anybody out there. It's always I mean, unique. Yeah, he's pretty fantastic at it. God, can you imagine Esmel and Holly working on something? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I want him to do Star, uh, Star Trek so bad. <laughs> so there's been this like whole thing for And Matt years. Quell to do the music. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which one's Quell? Who's, what's he do the music The composer for, for Mr. Robot. He does okay. Mr. Robot, yeah. Okay. Um, so imagine, all right, here's, here's my brand new, just thought of dream scenario. Hollywood has for like 20 years been wanting to remake Logan's run. Okay. Uh, put, put these two together with Matt Quelch. Sure. That music's great. Or the guy who's doing, you know, Legion cause that, or did Legion cause that music was great too. Um, but put them all together, all four of them together to make Logan's run a TV series. It'd be the best series, best science fiction uh, series ever. Best, yeah, best sci-fi series of all time, uh, probably. Uh, yeah. Making my heart hurt because it's not going to happen. But it's a great no, idea. But it it does. Yeah, I'm with you. It makes my heart ache because uh, I remember the first time I watched Logan's Run. Uh, like, why I, isn't there a better version of this? It's so. Oh, great. I was in my 30s, dude, and I'm like, why has this movie not been remade? <laughs> I actually only watched it for the first time about two years ago, maybe, um, which I would have been, you know, in my early 30s, late 20s. Um, but I, that's the first time I watched it. And I realized, like, oh, this is why people want to remake this. This is rife for the remaking. Oh, absolutely. Um, and Jeff Russo is actually the composer for uh, Legion. And uh, interestingly enough, he is the current composer on Star Trek Discovery, the CBS All Access series. Which I hear um, is really good. I just have to yeah. watch because I don't care. Wasn't he, um, he, he's also the composer for the Umbrella Academy, uh, Santa Clarita Diet, um, uh, Ghosted, which was a He terrible. had a band, right? Am I wrong? Is he the third Russo Connie. brother? <laughs> yes, he's the third Russo brother. <laughs> Wasn't uh, his, his band Tonic? Uh, no. It was um, Jen. It was Jen. That's funny. <sighs> no, I thought that was somebody else. I think you're confusing him with somebody else. Hold on. I'm going to look it up. Okay. Well, you do that. Everybody should go check out Spencer's new uh, web uh, adventure. Bye. <laughs> I like calling it an adventure. I'm down with that. Because, <laughs> um, like, every day it's something different. I'm like, oh, this is so fun. Uh, tonic members Emerson Hart, Jeff Russo. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you brought that up. 
Look, yeah. don't don't step on my advertisement, Logan. Can yeah. You? Um, <laughs> it is a lot of fun. I think it sounds condescending when I say it like that, but I'm not meaning it that way. No, no, no. Our, our, so, so for anybody listening who's made it this far into what was supposed to be a half-hour podcast, um, I, so Supermassive Pop, the goal was is to just have fun. I've done the website thing where I took it super seriously and was like, how do we get ads? How do we get clicks? How do we do whatever? And it's like, no, what am I thinking? What am I doing? Like, what are we doing? I've got at this point, I've got four contributors. Logan, you've contributed one thing. Um, but if I if feel like. What? Where'd you go? I'm working on it. Oh, no, no, no. I wasn't. That wasn't shading you. So, so That's my perpetual guilt. So, yeah. Logan has issues like like Mr. Robot. Um, so, so the idea was, if you want to create something, if you want, if you have something to say about pop culture or pop culture adjacent stuff, I want to let you say that. I want to say yes because I said no a lot in the past because the idea was we have to get clicks, we have to get ads, we have to make money. And now I'm kind of like f that. Let's have fun because we're all engaging with this material. Let's make something with the stuff. And so so Logan, you've done something. I've had two coworkers, one who loves K-pop, which is a thing and I've now listened to K-pop because of this coworker, but she's recapping in these like 2500 word recaps a, a reality show about a k like the biggest band in the whole world i had no idea but they really are called bts they're k i don't know i don't know i'm yeah, old it, i'm old ridiculous and I have, yeah but, i feel but they're the same huge. way <laughs> but i read these recaps and i'm like i'm never gonna watch the show but i will read this every week because it is so fun <laughs> to watch her freak out about these these little korean guys and 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 that's not like it's the way she talks about them is like little cute things i'm not calling them little because they're asian it's just like the way she treats them like little uh, beautiful things and it's very fun and so and then i have another guy who basically opens up a bottle of wine i'm not you know I'm not saying get drunk and watch movies, but he opens up a bottle of wine, watches like D and F level horror films and basically live tweets them into an article. And and like that's fun. And that's how he's doing his media. So it's that's what Supermassive Pop is all about. And so if you're out there listening and you check it out and you want to do something, there's a contributor page. You just hit our menu and say, be a contributor. Click it, send me an email, we'll we'll do something. Um, but it's been a lot of fun. And today, like I got to like finally answer the question that a hundred people have asked me. Have you seen the Lion King remake? And I'm like, no. Oh, that was a good article, man. Yeah, I I'm, it. I'm the wet blanket because I'm never going to watch that movie. I'm just not going to. But it's not because I don't like your opinion of those movies. I just don't want to. You and so your article is perfect. I'm like, yes, bravo. No, Thank you, you. want to hear something even funnier? I've never on seen Twitter, the original. What? <laughs> not you. Not you, Logan. Okay. No, I, You've it's Ryan talking. Um, I haven't seen any of the live-action remakes except Aladdin. But I've never seen the original animated version of Aladdin. <laughs> that makes me sad. Yeah, it kind of made me laugh while I was reading it. I was like, you know, I've seen all of the... I've seen Dumbo. I've seen, I've seen everything except Aladdin. So here's and Mulan. Haven't seen Mulan either. <laughs> I would I would love to hear your thoughts. Like whenever you eventually watch Aladdin, the animated version, having gone the opposite direction, 
see, this is the kind of thing like I love about what I'm doing now is I can just be like whatever. But so I text me whenever you watch it. It's like 90 minutes. It's not, it's nothing to watch and, and tell me what you think of it. Cause I bet your opinion is different than mine because you started from a different direction. Oh, I, I, good idea. I, I will probably do that. <laughs> I will continue to not watch any, uh, the lion King was the only one I watched. I watched that one. I said, Oh, well this reaffirms my theory that I never need to see one of these stupid quote live action remakes ever <laughs> well there's only one reason i watched aladdin and both of y'all should know the reason so guy richie yeah yeah well he also made that movie with madonna that i never watched so yep i'm good <laughs> uh, it's really crappy sherlock holmes films i'm okay <laughs> I'm i kind of like the first one i'm gonna be honest uh, I'm done with Guy Ritchie. Um, anyway, yeah, go check that out. Tweet us at Mr. Robot Podcast. Um, Mr. Robot Podcast at gmail.com. Go write and review us on iTunes. Uh, Patreon.com slash automatic for the people. Xwingfiles.com for all the other stuff we do. And uh, Spencer will most definitely be back by the end of the season because we're going to have a lot to talk about. And you should come to supermassivepop.com just to see Logan's article. It's just it's scroll down. It's all on one page. It's called Pop Culture Therapy. That's what you got to look for. You can there's a search bar too. You can search it that way. But if you're if you're, you're listening to this podcast, you like Logan. He wrote something really good for the website. But it's titled Pop Culture Therapy. Um, and and so you should look that up. And there may be more of those in the future if I keep you know. <laughs> I keep manipulating Logan. We'll get more. But um, but you should read those at least because, Logan, you should know it's my second most read thing on the website. And my first most read thing is the drunk text version of the horror movie watching. And mine is all below that. So you guys suck and people love what you do. So please go read his pop culture there because it's really good. Well, shucks. Uh, and ryan and i will be back in a few days talking about episode 10 um i can't believe we're this close to the end it's it's crazy 2019 the year that everything ends yeah we gotta change our theme song to the end by the doors i was just gonna make it uh the other rem song that's about the end of everything <laughs> it's the end of the world as we know it we should all sing it and then that should be the ending song people will want the podcast to end because we're singing it's perfect all right we'll see you guys in a few days it's the end, end of, of the world, world as, as we, we know it, it. and i feel fine <laughs> <laughs> Here's a little ghost for the offering Yeah, 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 yeah Here's a truck stop instead of St. Peter's Yeah, 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 yeah Mr. Andy Coffin's gone wrestling